Welcome back to the People Analytics Podcast. My name is Lindsay Patton, and I am your host for this show. Today, I have with me Bennett Andelman, who is the Chief People Officer at Hauser. Welcome, Bennett. It's great to have you. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks so much, Lindsay. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about what you do, your background, and all that good stuff. Yeah, yeah, sure. So I am currently the Chief People Officer of Hauser, as you just suggested, and uh I am responsible for uh, making employees have joy at work. Um, And that's really the simplistic nature of it. I want people having fun, uh, being a little weird, meaning being their full selves, bringing their whole selves to work, regardless of where they come from, how they grew up, what their skill set is, who they love, who they pray to, what they look like. Like, I just want a diverse workplace that loves to work with one another. Uh, That is the ultimate goal. And obviously inside of that, to drive revenue for the organization uh, through the excitement, energy, commitment, and passion of employees. That's awesome. So how has your career led you to this point? So it's been a bit of a crazy career path to get here. Uh, So I was uh, actually a childhood actor, um, and I thought I was going to go into that field. I uh, went to uh, Carnegie Mellon University wow. initially in order to pursue that craft. Uh, but I actually ended up falling in love with the craft of communications uh, and ultimately the craft of marketing attached to communications. And so I ended up transferring out of Carnegie Mellon to do a dual major in theater as well as marketing and communications. And then when I graduated, after spending about a year trying to figure myself out in Los Angeles and realized how interesting that market was, especially as a, uh, as a young um, uh, screenwriter, uh, actor, etc., that I wanted to lean back into the concepts of marketing and advertising and communications. So I came back to the East Coast, uh, got a job at an advertising agency in New York City uh, that worked on TiVo, and TiVo was cool and new before DVR and Comcast and took all that stuff over. Um, but really cut my teeth in advertising and thought I would be there forever. I really fell in love with it as a young copywriter and then initially um, moved into account services. I really kind of fell in love with the, that role as it relates to strategy and buyer behavior and, and trying to get people to fall in love with brands and what that all meant and, and storytelling being a big part of that. I uh, lived in the advertising world for quite some time. Uh, over the course of the first 10 years or so of my career, started my own agency after a stint in a couple additional agencies uh, where I cut my teeth officially in both New York and Philadelphia, um, ended up in Philadelphia full time. And then ultimately, um, when I started my agency, partnered with another agency and we worked on food, fragrance and finance. Those were our core clients. Uh, along came this little engine that could by the name of Power Windows and Siding, a young regional brand at the time, about $15 million in annuals, uh, who was obviously working on windows and siding. That was their primary core discipline. I did not want to work with them at first, uh, thought that they weren't a part of our 3F uh, scenario uh, and that food, fragrance, and finance felt a lot more fun and cool than, uh, than Ramon. Uh, nonetheless, I, uh, in the process of meeting the owners of that organization, becoming fast friends with them, I fell in love with the brand, uh, love their mission. Uh, and, and the thing I love the most is that at the executive level, uh, they were confident in themselves enough to debate. Uh, each other in rooms, make decisions, and then all in on those decisions, unified when those decisions were made. And I felt there's a lot of energy in that concept, in that room, as far as leadership was concerned. And I really appreciated the vision for long-term growth in the organization. 
after five years of, of being a, an uh, ad exec partner in a firm, I sold my shares and decided to start um, the marketing department uh, at Power at that time, Power Home Remodeling. We started rebranding the name at that point. And I was at Power for 11 years running their marketing communications department. And inside of that, had the great pleasure of creating uh, or helping develop and then nurture the most amazing creative team I've ever had the opportunity to work with in my career. 30 incredible people under my umbrella um, from uh, account services and strategy to PR and social media to creative um, uh, in design, copy, photo, film. Uh, and inside of the walls of power, we focused most of our time and attention to developing a best-in-class culture. We obviously needed to maintain the brand and ensure that uh, our customers knew who we were, what our USP was ultimately. Uh, but we spent the majority of our time ensuring that, uh, which was the focus of the company, that people wanted to work there. And I think it, it was an interesting model because... Uh, the way it worked at Power was that the majority of our employees were canvassing, um, knocking on doors for a living. Uh, and while they would have the opportunity to make a handsome living, it's a very difficult job. Imagine being in Chicago in February and trying to uh, knock on <laughs> I'm doors. I'm in Michigan, yeah. <laughs> right? So not the best scenario no. in the world. <laughs> and on top of that, I don't think anyone wakes up when they're 11 or 12 years old and says, man, wouldn't it be the best thing in the world? Wouldn't my utopia, if I could just work for a remodeling company one day and sell windows, that would be awesome. So it was a tall order and I, uh, and I took it on and I fell in love with it. Uh, how do you get really remarkable candidates that would otherwise want to work for Google, Facebook, Wall Street, be a teacher, be a lawyer, um, to want to work for a modeling company? And we spent a lot of our time and attention building the internal foundation to create an employee experience and engagement that was second to none in the business and then second to none in the world. Uh, and over the course of my 10 years there and building that foundation out from creating entertainment channels within an organization that was selling these products, but making it fun, creating competitions, making people famous, having creating parody films and having fun doing that, like almost the office within the office. Um, and then uh, developing magazines and developing um, initiatives where, as I said earlier, uh, you know, creating a diverse culture that leans on each other and understands, appreciates that opinions come from everywhere, that you need to respect everyone's opinions um, and learn from everybody and listen first. And creating that type of culture for military veterans to come on into that business, for women in a male-dominated industry to come in into that business and dominate that industry, and for um, for people of all sorts of uh, underprivileged or underappreciated backgrounds coming on in uh, to that business and being incredibly successful as well, and then creating a melting pot of diverse leadership accordingly. And over the course of doing that for 11 years, uh, we became the number one company to work for for millennials by Fortune magazine, uh, among many, many other awards and accolades that were you know really amazing um, and humbling. Uh, but in that time, um, I met this really incredible guy by the name of Mike Mayer, who is the uh, owner and CEO of Hauser, which is a real estate brand that is doing its best to grow nationally, very similar in style, scope, values, as Power Home Remodeling was. And in my initial conversations with Mike, I just felt like, wow, there's so many parallels between the work that you're doing and the work that Power has been able to do throughout my tenure, going from a $30 million brand when I got there officially to a $1 billion brand at the end of last year. 
Uh, and it was pretty remarkable run in those 11 years. And while I'd love to take credit for that crazy growth uh, trajectory, um, there's a lot of amazing people that's, that worked there and uh, had worked there, still worked there, uh, that, that made that machine go. And I just had a small opportunity to be a part of that ride. But I wanted to recreate that somewhere else in a business that was also looking to grow exponentially. And that was Hauser. But in that process, and speaking to Hauser about possible marketing opportunities, um, we kind of landed on the opportunity to be a chief people officer. And I was just kind of initially taken back by the idea, like, could I do this? But I started thinking about my career trajectory. Um, and while it was rooted in marketing and advertising and communications, um, we spend the most of our time, 70% of our time inside of power in my, on my team, working on internal comms, working on the four pillars of, of employee happiness and joy. Uh, and that is talent acquisition and building a pipeline of great people, um, human resources and relations, but really creating relationships with our employees through the human resources umbrella, developing employee engagement and experience, as I articulated earlier, um, and development of learning and development opportunities from onboarding to ongoing training to the development of Power University, uh, where we're teaching all of our employees at different levels of their career soft skills that they can utilize uh, both personally and professionally as they continue to grow uh, in their own worlds. And I, as I thought about that, I was like, wow, there could be a real synergy here between what I love to do the most uh, based on, as you can probably tell from my own energy, um, to um, you know, what I think the business needs the most or what I think all businesses need the most, which is happy, committed, motivated employees. And uh, one thing led to another. And through a relationship that I had at Power with our current, with Power's current uh, chief people officer, Holly Delaney, who was the chief people officer for Zappos uh, for some time. And I kind of learned underneath her in many ways and, and took a leap of faith and a bit of risk to, to change my, my course in life as it relates to my career. And I've been here now for four months, so not a lot of time. But in those four months, I've been as happy as I could ever be. Um, oh, amazing. Uh, and love the opportunities that the brand creates, including the risk uh, and reward attached to small businesses. Mm -hmm. And I can totally see the connection between your theater background and how you lead. Um, you know, being a theater kid myself, there's so much creativity. There's so much fun in the aspect of pull pulling something together, whether you're acting it out, creating costumes, writing the script. And I see that creativity, you said, you know, writing sketches, um, you know, at work and just tapping into like the fun side of creative arts and transferring it to the workplace. Would you say that's kind of a, an accurate assessment of how you're using? Absolutely. Uh, you know, I, so many people have asked me over the course of my career, how could you be so comfortable on stage when you're presenting, you know, large, complex presentations about different types of strategy and how do you make people feel comfortable? Uh, and I think a lot of that comes from a, a background where you're on stage your whole life, um, you know, whether it be in theater, in film, in print, et cetera, you're constantly being evaluated and you're constantly thinking about the right thing to say at the right time in order to bring an audience in to your emotions. Um, and that's how I feel about life and at work. Um, I think they're kind of blended. And I have, I've been beyond fortunate to feel comfortable on any stage that I've been on um, and confident in, in what I'm talking about. And at the same time, going on being creative at work, I think it's the simple thing, right? I think at the end of the day, people spend, and we say this all the time, right? People spend way, way, way more time at work than they do 
And I've never been an, uh, I've never been understanding of the notion that work should just feel like work. Um, and that you put in your eight hours a day and you go home and you thank God that you're home and you don't have to deal with the, the people that were working side by side with you every day, virtual or otherwise. Um, and I just don't get it. And I feel like you can actually have a lot of fun at work and you can make work fun. Um, it doesn't have to be, I don't care what product you're selling, what widget it is. And believe me, remodeling, window siding, doors, roofing um, is not that fun. Real estate's a lot more fun in some ways, but it's all about the people that work within. And I think if you give people the levers to be the best versions of themselves, um, you will find yourself in a situation where people truly find joy at the office and then bring that joy home. Yeah. And uh, how you mentioned earlier, how you, um, you know, you, you make sure that all employees are heard and that they are their authentic selves and not trying to put on a mask. Um, because I feel like in the office environment, you, there's pressure to be a certain way, um, to get rid of the unsavory things that may be part of your personality. <laughs> exactly right. And I think that there is this preconception when you walk into an office, whether you're an entry-level employee or you come in from the outside as a consultant or you're an executive that comes on in. And I think there's this certain stigma as to how you should act and who you should be and how what a boss should say and do and, and, and what a leader should act like, uh, as well as what an entry-level employee should act like and how they should just say yes or no uh, to their boss. And I hate all of that. And I, yeah, I think the, the biggest lesson I learned from Holly uh, from her time at Zappos before she came over to power was that the best HR people, the best at the time, you know, these chief HR officers who become chief people officers, the best ones in the business threw away the traditional book when it came to this is how employees need to act. This is the rules of the business. And, and while those things are important and you want to have rules and regulations and you want to have career roadmaps and you want to have salary banding and all those types of things to ensure success of the business and, and commitment and comfort within your career path. Um, so not throwing away any of those things, but Throwing out the book to her meant we want to rediscover how businesses can have fun and be and individually how businesses can create a landscape for people that they just ultimately fall in love with, very similar to the, the loves and passions they have for other things. And also leaning into people's outside um, passions and bring those passions into the workplace. You know, as, I, as we just talked about, right? Like my passion is writing screenplays. My passion still acting at times. And I can bring those elements of those that type of passion into the workplace. If someone else loves to create art, well, why not bring that passion? Even if you're in uh, people or, or uh, legal or a sales uh, team, why not bring some of those hobbies in and celebrate, be celebrated for the things that you're doing and hopefully impact the company simultaneously? So there are a lot of opportunities, I think, for people to just lean into the fact that work doesn't have to be a long slog, that it could be fun, cool, interesting, um, and informative, and give you the tools that you ultimately need, if you're doing it the right way, to succeed no matter where you go. And the way I look at it always is that I'm not asking you for blood. Um, I'm not asking you to give me a commitment for 5, 10, 15 years. I'm asking you to give me a commitment today. And if you can give me a commitment today, can you give me a commitment tomorrow? And if we continue to have that dialogue where you feel comfortable um, with me um, and trust in me and vice versa, 
and that we are holding each other accountable uh, where I will be your champion and I will be your accountability partner and vice versa, then we will create a real relationship, a real dialogue that will allow you to extend your time at the office. Yeah. I feel like the best leaders act like coaches, like you kind of just described, like, okay, you're, you know, let's get through today and then come back tomorrow and then we'll see and, you know, recalibrate instead of just delegate and scold. And so I really appreciate, you know, that outlook of, you know, being a leader is, you know, coaching, supporting, helping that person get to the next level. Yeah. And it's also on the reverse, right? I had this conversation with one of my colleagues yesterday. And again, it's kind of an old adage, but I have found that the best leaders in the world are the ones ultimately who admit immediately, I don't have all the answers to everything, right? And it's like the leaders that get themselves in trouble and ultimately fail consistently are the ones that think they have to have all the answers based on the title they have on their business card. And, and I don't, I don't subscribe to that whatsoever. I think the best leaders in the world are bringing their teams in to the problems that the business has. Here's the biggest challenges we have as a business. You have been hired to be a solutions provider, and I don't care what level of the business you're in or what experience you have, you're a human being with emotions and feelings and ideas. So let's celebrate all of those and help me solve these problems because when these problems are solved at the business level, everyone wins, our customers and our employees as well as the candidates who possibly want jobs here as well. So I feel empowered to empower my people to be those solutions providers uh, for the business, which is exactly what they want when they leave college and think about their careers. Yeah. And it takes a lot of humility to go to um, you know, an employee and say, hey, I'm having trouble with this. Can you help me? Because you know, in it, I feel like our culture has made leadership such an authoritative um, figure. Yeah. I mean, it, it feels in some ways like every corporation has to have some sort of dictatorship that you want to, you want to create fear, um, with your employee base in order for them to re to react accordingly, which is just the opposite of how people are. Um, you know, like, and it's funny, it's like, why is, why does it have to be any different at a corporation and is at home. If you were at home talking to your friends or your family and you were screaming at them all day long to get things done, I imagine you'd have somewhat of the opposite reaction of getting those things done. You might get those things done initially, but eventually they're going to dead ear all of those things and ignore you or be so fearful of you that the only thing they're going to think about all day long is your demise or their own. Um, and I don't, I don't want that to be a part of any business that I'm a part of. I want people to feel compelled um, obligated to bring everything they can to work. Every idea is an important one. And, uh, you know, some of these ideas will work. Some of these ideas won't. Um, some of these ideas will have to be tabled for, you know, a while or, or some of these ideas will be immediately executed and people should be rewarded and compensated for their ideas. Oops, sorry. That's my dog. I have um, to, I understand. <laughs> give me one second. I'm going to come right back. Uh, okay. So sorry about that. Oh, no, I, I deeply understand mine have interrupted more meetings than you could ever imagine, <laughs> especially yeah, when they're hungry. Again, it's like the uh, this is one of the challenges, I think, of being in a virtual environment or a hybrid environment. Uh, so when everybody asks me, like, would you want people to be in the office five days a week or do you like the hybrid model or would you eventually want to go full remote? And I think there are there are pros and cons to all of those things. Um, 
I am I'm a firm, firm, firm believer in that culture is king. And I don't think that you could have a culture that is best in class when people never spend time with each other other than through a lens on your computer. Uh, I think getting people together um, pushes for collaboration, commitment, community, uh, creativity. I'm trying to think if there's any other C's I can come up with, but nonetheless, um, but uh, I think it does all those things. And I think when you're doing that in a virtual environment, you lose sight of how important um, community is within an organization. At the same time, I think we're in a new world. And I think leaders have to adapt to that new world. Um, and that new world being, I think, the best new world, being a hybrid model. I think people want flexibility in their schedules. They want to be able to take their dogs out on walks at lunchtime. Um, and they want to be able to you know, when the day ends, whatever time that may be, they want to be able to turn off their laptop and go into their living room, put up their feet, grab a drink and relax. And so, and I, I appreciate that as well. I think commutes are very difficult on many people and trying to balance life and work is really troubling as well at times when you're five days a week. So I do think there's a balance there ultimately. Um, and that is coming in a couple days a week to do the things I just suggested, but giving yourself the flexibility to do the things that you need to do outside of that, as long as productivity is high. Yeah. And to me, that's extremely fair because you still get that camaraderie, you get the culture. Um, but then for individuals that may have a little difficulty in the office um, and prefer be solo, um, you know, that also helps them as well. Totally, uh, totally agree. And I think that, um, you know, as a year ago, I would have said the exact opposite. Uh, and that I was staunch, even through the pandemic, I was a staunch supporter of five days a week. You know, we got to go back to business like it was in 2018 and 19. Um, but I have found that production is high, if not higher, when you're working at home often than it is when you're in the office due to the associated daily distractions of being in an office. Um, but ultimately, I think that um, having that kind of model where you balance things out, I think is important and balance in general, I think is really important. One of the things when I decided to leave my last organization, one of the things that I was so committed to, uh, was the simple concept that I want balance, more balance, better balance, not only in my life, but for the organization that I have the opportunity to lead. Um, and I want people to be at 120% when they're in the office, so to speak, virtual or otherwise. And I want people to be at 120% at home. And I think the hybrid model offers you the ability to do both if you're doing it the right way. Yeah. So let's talk about fun. That's <laughs> one of my favorite topics. So well, how do you bring fun to the workplace? You mentioned a couple of examples already, um, but I'd like to hear more in depth. Yeah. So, you know, I'll, I'll go back to some of my, uh, the opportunities that I had at Power that I'm trying to re-emulate here at Hauser. And I think that it doesn't matter what, um, industry you're in or what type of organization you have, as long as the leadership team is comfortable with leaning into the fun piece of work, um, I think it could happen anywhere. So, you know, I, I, when I first got a power, uh, one of the things that the CEO had asked me was, well, I want to develop out a best in class employer brand. How do we do that? And at the time, frankly, I had no idea. I was traditional agency guy uh, doing agency type things, trying to drive revenue and not worrying so much about the culture. And then when I flipped that script and figured out what that is and, and interviewed employees, which I strongly recommend people do, is interview employees and find out from them, like, what do you love to do and, and what makes you happy? And uh, what I ended up finding out at Power, um, and I think the same thing of Hauser, so it was a young, at the time, young millennial audience. 
I'm now a young millennial Gen Z audience, similar to Hauser, as far as most most of the employees that work here. And what do millennials, Gen Zs want? They will they enjoy competition, um, and they want to work for a company that is uh, that is more than just profit. That is people over profit and community over profit. And so I was like, okay, well, there's a competition feel here. Uh, number one. And number two, there's a community need, a need to, to work for an organization that's doing more for the world than just reaping its benefits from a capitalism perspective. And so what is the purpose? What is our why? How do we develop that kind of golden circle? And, and fun being a big part of that. And so I was thinking, okay, well, first thing we're going to do is we're going to create like an ESPN style competition where we're the sports center, kind of sports center meets Saturday Night Live. And our sales team, um, who is you know looking to drive revenue into the business? And every week, individual salespeople have sales goals they want to hit to drive that revenue. Um, and our customer development team at Power, they were looking to achieve the same types of things. Like as many you know, if they can get X amount of appointments per week. Um, that was part of the goals that were set for them uh, attached to the business. So I'm like, oh well, we can create competition here where the customer development reps and all over the country are competing against each other. And the same with the sales reps, we can create like this kind of um, going into now March. March Madness tournament, very similar to the NCAA, where we're stacking people up against each other. And the 64th uh, most uh, currently most successful person in the business can play the number one seed um, potentially um, as it relates to the person that's driving in the most volume of the business at that time. And these would be weekly competitions that we would create over the course of a year. And every one of those weekly competitions would flow into this weekly video, Sports Center slash Saturday Night video, where I was fortunate enough to have the opportunity to host it. I would have analysts attached to it that were VPs of different business units that were putting down the videotape as it relates to what people were doing. And we and the goal was simple. Let's make people famous, number one. If we can make people famous and we put people in a position to be incredibly successful um, by pushing them harder to become famous and also give them a spotlight where they could bring their inner persona out, personality out in the process. Let's do that. And that became incredibly successful. That led to the development of a magazine and a kind of a quarterly publication that I think looks more like GQ than it did like a traditional company newsletter, where we're highlighting stories of people and again, pushing the envelope of bringing out stories from people, emotional stories, funny stories, compelling stories about them and what they're doing for the business, as well as what the business can do for them. Um, and that is then shared with their family, their friends. Mom, look at me. I'm on the cover of this magazine. Um, and look at me. I just was, uh, I just won my competition in sales and look at the funny video this team put together. And that would create candidate opportunity. Like, I want to work for a company like this. And then all of a sudden that moved into, well, why, why do we just have to stop with competition? There's a whole bunch of other departments within the organization that are not competitively based. So how do we make them famous? Well, let's start putting together like, you know, quarterly parody films that are just parody that we're doing um, or some of the, you know, the pop culture things that are going on around us and, and bring those in. Um, and that led to competitions for ideas. Like what ideas do you have to bring more joy into the workplace? And that led to, instead of doing traditional socials uh, with different departments, that we combine departments together so they get to know each other a little bit more. And we do different types of socials, better, more fun socials, um, from top golf to creating little tournaments uh, around town to competitions again on the social side, which led to larger and cooler and different events um, like 
um, going to Mexico at the end of every year um, and celebrating our employees and bringing their families into it. Um, Hold up. Paid? Everyone goes to Mexico? The only thing you would be responsible for is your flight and your significant other's flights, but everything else is completely paid for four days. And it's just, it's not just going to a resort in Cancun, which Mm -hmm. is great, but we would pull out all the stops. Um, We created a competition called Power Olympics. Again, people want to compete. So we would literally the Olympic games, we'd actually build a stadium on the sand, um, (laughs) different, uh, different territories compete against one another and we'd pull out we'd have jumbotrons and i would be colleagues and it was it was pure craziness from tug of war to climbing obstacle courses (laughs) to everything you can imagine and with big trophies and big rewards at the end of it we also would bring in famous acts uh we from snoop dogg to post malone to the killers to weezer um to uh, macklemore to everyone in between um, would come in for private concerts on the beach in this organization. And, and it was, you know, as obviously some people might be listening to this and saying, oh my God, that's a ton of money. Um, but yeah, it is. But would you rather give, not using Chevy Chase and, um, and uh, the uh, Christmas vacation as the example, would you rather give your employees a $100 uh, gift card uh, or even a $1,000 gift card at the end of the year, which may impact them in one way or another, but isn't going to resonate? Or would you rather take them on a once in a lifetime trip? And we decided to do that. And that led to development of human beings. Like it's not just about having fun. It's about development of a personal life skills. And that was the creation of leadership events where we bring in speakers from all walks of life, from former president George Bush to uh, Colin Powell, um, to um, incredible authors, to sports figures, uh, from Wayne Gretzky to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, to speak to these people and to help us understand what winning looks like. And when you develop a culture of commitment and fun and development personally, as well as professionally, and creating a culture that it's winning at all costs, but winning with delight, then you can win as an organization and be successful. And I think that's a lot of what power was able to create and ultimately what I'm trying to recreate here. Mm-hmm. And you think about, I mean, I think about in my career, all the, the mandatory fun that, you know, we had to do as employees and, you know, it definitely was not a trip to Mexico and a concert. So it's, you know, that was so awesome to hear that you're thinking of like big, thinking big, <laughs> essentially. Um, so how has the reception been, uh, you know, with these incentives and perks and, um, you know, all this encouragement incorporated? It, it, it's been great, you know, and, and one of the reasons why um, I accepted the job at Hauser and to do this particular role was to run the same place. You know, obviously with modifications to improve, constantly improving, relentless dedication to improvement in that regard. But um, it's to do those things and to bring this type of joy and commitment and personal and professional development into this organization and God willing, other organizations that can take suit, uh, follow suit as well on these types of things. Cause it's not, I mean, it, it does take ingenuity and creativity um, and money, but, yeah. <laughs> uh, but it, it, it doesn't take much more than that as long as you're committed to it. And I think that's really where I think companies ultimately win or lose. I think more often than not companies choose profit over their people. And when you choose profit, you lose people. 
And uh, this is, I'm fortunate to work for uh, an organization in Hauser and a, and a CEO in Mike that is all in on people. Uh, and when you have that uh, commitment from the top, uh, you can create anything you want. Um, and I think the sky's the limit when it comes to imagination and, and off of like someone like you, someone like me who grew up in theater, um, is theater is imagination. So I feel like I lean into the concepts of imagination. That's how I grew up. Yeah. So, and I love, I see that theater background in our entire conversation to, um, you know, just, um, you know, being silly, being goofy, being creative, coming up with, um, you know, these things out of thin air. Uh, it's so awesome. So for HR managers who, you know, may not have as intense of a creative background um, as you do, how can you encourage them to think out of the box and be a little bit more creative with, um, you know, the organization? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I, I've often said this, I think great organizations are the sum of all their parts. And I think people become, in every department, people become siloed. Well, I'm in human relations or human resources rather, and I don't, I can't, I'm not going to lean into marketing or I'm not going to lean into this other group because, you know, they do their thing. I do my thing. And that's where, again, I think people have to start thinking a bit more outside of the box. In fact, there should be no boxes in organizations. There should just be one flat level playing field. And I think when you bring in the idea, simple idea to throw out to your organization, we want to create joy in the workplace. What makes you happy? What, when you think about the things that make you happiest in life, what are they? You know, and some people, people are going to say, well, my dogs make me happy, or uh, I love watching sports on television, or I love playing sports, or I love doing X, Y, and Z. Use that information. Most people look at that and say, well, how am I going to incorporate any of that? It doesn't make any sense when it comes to this type of a, of a corporate environment. Why not? You know, I, until I knew that we had a whole bunch of athletes at power who used to compete semi-professionally, professionally, or amatorily, um, I would never have considered uh, developing a Power Olympics program. But knowing that allowed me and my creative, amazing team and teams outside of my team to develop that type of program. Um, same with, you know, developing competitions that became parodies that be, you know, so all of these things happen by truly talking to your employee base and finding out from them, what is it that they want? And one idea leads to another idea, which leads to another idea until you have so many ideas, you don't know what to do with, uh, what the great problem that. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. And I think that's a great note to, to end on. Uh, so then where can people find you? How can, if they want to reach out, how can they do that? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm on LinkedIn like the rest of the world, right? So you can certainly find me on LinkedIn at Bennett Andelman. Uh, and I'm also available uh, at Hauser. If you go to hauser.com, uh, H-O-U-W-Z-E-R.com. I know it's a little complicated, but that URL, uh, you can find uh, me on that platform as well. And I am always available. I am, uh, I'm an open book and I'm an open door. And so if anyone out there wants to just chat it up uh, via any of those platforms or call me, um, I am always going to return your phone call. That's wonderful. Thank you for being so open, um, you know, with the community. And uh, again, okay, <laughs> I am Lindsay Patton, host of the People Analytics Podcast. Um, you can reach me at lindsay at staffgeek.com. And Bennett, thank you so much for your time. This was a great, I love talking about fun. This was a great conversation. <laughs> 
My pleasure. Uh, it makes me smile as well. So uh, I'm really happy to be a part of it. Thanks again. Thank you for listening to Steph Geek's People Analytics Podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Patton, and I'm always looking to interview leaders who put people first. If you or someone you know lead with a people-first mindset, please email me at lindsay at staffgeek.com. That's L-I-N-D-S-A-Y at staffgeek.com. If you want to take things a step deeper and understand your organization's true culture DNA, I encourage you to take Staff Geek's free culture assessment. Just head to staffgeek.com and click the button that says free culture assessment. Thanks again for listening. Yeah.